there is a lot of baggage that you bring to a marriage and it's not necessarily that either of you are at fault or are attacking, you know, one of one or the other, just the way you approach things. But at the core of fair play, the whole all time is created equal. I mean, I think that that is a message that has to sit with you and you, you, we, we women have to accept that. Yeah. And, and believe it before we can even expect our partner to believe that. Hey, my name is Veronica Cisneros, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, a mama of three girls, and married for 23 years. I am obsessed with helping you navigate through the seasons of marriage, helping couples like you break free from feeling like roommates. I will teach you the secrets to having a healthy marriage by providing tools and tips to help you reconnect in a way that you can't keep your hands off each other, where flirting and kissing is the norm in your household. Setting intentional time to date, Get to know and support each other's dreams and goals so that you can grow together without keeping score or judging one another. Where you feel seen and heard even when you disagree. Where arguments end with mutual respect and understanding. Where you work together to build and strengthen your family so no one feels like they're carrying the weight of the family on their own. These are the necessary skills your children need for you to model so that they develop healthy relationships and thrive in life. This is the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. Emily, hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Veronica. I'm thrilled to be here. So, okay. You and I met on social media. On social media. (laughs) Right. We totally met on social media. And, you know, after having a brief conversation with you, it was like, oh my gosh, I have to have her on this podcast. I have to have her on the podcast. And I'm so excited for what you have in store for the audience and primarily like just you being so open and so willing to, you know, share your story, especially um, not only with my audience, but obviously, you know, with the world. Um, And we'll get into what that means in a minute. But Emily, if you can share with us your story. Sure. And again, thank you, Veronica, for the chance to be on your podcast. I I love the Empowered and Unapologetic podcast. And even your intro just resonates with me in in all the ways. So um, I'm kind of fangirling here to speak with you. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I guess I could give you the Cliff's Cliff's Notes of my story that I am um, a mom to two girls. I I do live in the metro Detroit area. I have a husband. Um, We've been married 14 years. I have been an entrepreneur for 13 of those years. I really feel like we had a really great balanced partnership until we had children. Mm -hmm. Like that was a bit of our story is, okay, I really felt like, you know, an empowered entrepreneur. I really felt like we had a really strong um, partnership and teamwork approach in in our relationship. And then once those, you know, little humans get added to the mix, that's where like so many people life got complicated. Um, not only as a mom, but as, as a woman, as, as a business owner and really as a partner. So, um, I know I just said it's the cliff notes version. So we'll, we'll talk about a lot more, but I'm certainly someone who I enjoy all the roles. You know, we women are so multifaceted and we are so many roles, but it was a couple of years ago that I really started to scratch my head and kind of ask myself the same question that so many women do. And that's, well, how did I get here? Like on paper, I have so much and I'm so proud of the things I've done, but why am I just feeling like things could be better? Yes. I, I love that. I love how you phrase that. Why am I feeling like things can be better? Like, you know, one thing I get from a lot of women is I have, I have the dog, I have the house, I have, you know, maybe not the white picket fence, but close to it. Like I have all these things. Why am I still feeling like something's missing, you know, or why am I starting to keep score? Why am I starting to see my husband a little differently? Like I love him, 
or there's some times where I want to just shake the shit out of them. Like, well, what is this? <laughs> right. What, what is this? What am I feeling? And so you were in, um, this documentary, um, called fair play. Take me through it. How did you and your husband, um, get to be a part of something so great? Well, thank you. So fair play is a New York times bestselling book written by a woman named Eve Rodsky. And so that, that book is her, her baby and, and just part of her, her genius work. The documentary was turned in, I'm sorry, the book was turned into this documentary of the same name, Fair Play, mm -hmm. and it was produced by Hello Sunshine, and it was written and directed by Jennifer Siebel Newsom, who is um, an award-winning documentary filmmaker. And really, this documentary, although it's based off of a book, it is not simply the movie version of the book. No. Um, you know, Eve's book, and you can hear, listen, anything about Eve, but her book really examines the imbalance of household labor that historically falls on women. And so Jennifer Siebel Newsom took the opportunity to document basically a number of families and how they approached the division of labor. Uh, my husband and I were one of a few families that the, the film crew followed over a two-year period. Um, now the, the film crew would come to our house about quarterly. And um, sometimes they were there for a day, sometimes two, but it was all filmed during COVID. Um, so I definitely joke about, you know, just having to swab our noses to be able to have this, yeah. this strange project going on. Um, but really how we got the opportunity, just like you and I met on social, I had met Eve through social media around the time of her book coming out, kept in touch, you know, the pandemic just started and that's when, you know, we blew the, the doors down to working from home. Um, and it was around the beginning of the pandemic when she sent me this DM that I really say changed my life. And I, I don't mean change my life with like, oh, exciting project documentary it sounds super glamorous, but changed my life that it forced my husband and I to really yeah. work on our relationship in a way that I don't think I would have in, in any sort of small seek out, you know, assistance on my own. Um, so this documentary came our way with, uh, with Eve saying, I'm working on a project. Mm -hmm. And we have a, a documentary that's been green lighted by Hello Sunshine. And I'd love to, to hear if you and Neil are interested in being a part of this project. Yeah, I love that. One thing that really, um, that really intrigued me about this documentary and even about Fair Play is, um, is just how common this is, you know, how common this is in like, not only one or, you know, one or two households, most of our households. And how we don't talk about this at all. And um, it's not something that, you know, even us women are willing to go ahead and share with even our closest friends, you know, um, and it, and partly because of, you know, and, and this is something that's touched on in, in the documentary, but partly because of, you know, society, you know, and how things are supposed to be framed and wrapped and packaged all beautifully, you know, and the other part, just because there is this level of expectation placed on women, there is this level of expectation placed on what the household should look like and how each person needs to play a role in making sure to execute that mission. And so I love being able to go ahead and see, you know, different couples of different ages of different, you know, um, of different, I should say, financial classes and even of different ethnicities. And you just see with all of these differences, there's just a continuous pattern, you know, and some of those that I'll definitely highlight here is, you know, there's contempt, you know, where one partner positions themselves higher than the other, you know, most of them were men, right? The, the husbands were positioning themselves because they were, you know, the primary breadwinner or not even the primary breadwinner, you know, and still they were still because of the fact that they were male, they were still positioned higher than female. You know, another thing is, you know, the amount of criticism, you know, um, I remember there was one thing that was said um, you know, with regards to any time, you know, women would complain and it's like, here we go making, you know, ma making a, why can I think of that dang name? Like I'm making a, something out of a hill. Some, why can't I think? Oh, oh a mountain out of a mole. There hill, we go. Right? There that we expression. go. Why couldn't, uh -huh. why couldn't I think of that? Um, I've good. heard my, I've heard my husband say that and he almost died that day. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, it, it, it's the same thing. So there's an amount of criticism. And then in addition to that, you know, you also see stonewalling where the minute, you know, one woman, you know, the wife brings up a, a very uncomfortable conversation, how the husband would kind of like just pull back and, 
you know, remove themselves from the conversation altogether. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching all of these dynamics play out in every single relationship. And I I literally felt like when I was watching that, I'm like, oh my God, did they record me? And I never knew like, (laughs) (laughs) cause it's like, I hear this every, I hear this every day. Um, and just to see it, um, to actually, you know, be a, um, be the audience versus the facilitator. Um, Mm -hmm. it it was nice. It it was nice. And it was refreshing. Not that I want couples to suffer. That's not why I'm saying it was refreshing. It was refreshing in the fact that it is being brought out to light and we are having conversations about it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it provided me with this sense of hope because anybody that watches that documentary will be able to see themselves in it. Right. You're so right. I mean, there's, there's so much you brought up. One of the first things you mentioned was just the whole systemic issue piece. I remember having to Google, like what is systemic issue? Like what what does that even mean? And then again, if millions of people are facing this, you know, we're not a unique couple, which is sad and comforting at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) And so, so that was something too, that I guess as a person who felt like I, I tried to get ahead of things. Like I tried to be aware, you know, we, when we are young and if we go down the path of getting married, you know, most people in in, an early age are not already parents when they choose a life partner. And so you, you do the best you can, but for goodness sake, like you only can see so far out ahead of you. So I went through that whole phase of trying to look back and say almost were there, were there things that I missed? Like were there parts of my husband's personality that I miss not to say that he was flawed, but I just was desperate to like grab some sort of explanation of, again, how did we get to this imbalanced state? And part of the documentary too was unpacking some of the, how we got here. And we really dug deeper into what was modeled to you as a, as a child. And so what it did, Veronica, is really at least just it almost helped me release some resentment because while I'm not here to say like, Oh, he's off the hook. I was at least able to see that there is just a lot of complexities and conditioning and expectations going on that we just didn't have really ever, ever have a chance to to avoid. No. um, You know, I, I was really, really happy to see that. Um, what a lot of people don't know is we do, we, we all bring in past generational trauma to our relationship. You know, we have been conditioned to behave a certain way. We have been conditioned to believe certain things. And um, when when there's that unhealed pain, yeah, you, you bring that into the re- relationship unknowingly. It's not like we're intentionally doing this. And it is something that needs to be um, covered and it needs to definitely be worked on so that, you know, you're able to see your partner, not as, you know, the enemy, but you're able to see, wait a minute. So your, your parents n- didn't teach you how to set boundaries and what your parents or what your mom did teach you was that if you even attempted to set a boundary with her, she would disown you. And she taught you that by disowning her own sister. And so now whenever we go to her house, you know, you won't, it feels like you won't stand up for me, but the reality is you won't, you have a hard time standing up even for yourself because you're afraid of, you know, her abandoning you and leaving the relationship altogether. And so you've been used to staying quiet and silent and, you know, not necessarily giving her permission to disrespect, but that's what it looks like. You know, you've just, you've just been taught to kind of like, okay, this happened. Let's brush it under the rug. She doesn't mean it. We're fine. And now what you're trying to get me to do is come form and do the same thing. And it's not because you don't protect you don't want to protect me, or it's not because you're picking your mom over me, but instead it's like, ah, you're asking me to conform to the same house rules you lived under. And that's where a lot of couples struggle with. And it's, it's something that I do with a lot of my couples is what were your house rules? What were your house rules? You know, if, if let's say, you know, if Neil invited you over to his house when he was a kid, like what were the unspoken house rules? And it really helps clients. Obviously, you know, um, the creators of fair play have a more than likely a different approach. Um, but it's really, it really does help 
you know, my clients not see their partner as enemy, more or less have a better understanding. And, and this beautiful thing happens once we do that exercise, you'll start to see, you know, each partner's guard come down Mm. and you'll see, you'll see that, you'll see that compassion and you'll also be witness to, oh, I've seen your mom do that several times, not only with me, but also with this person. And oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Your dad does the same thing. And it, it ends up being, instead of you critique, you know, the, the, let's say the woman for this one, you know, the woman critiquing, you know, his family to having a better understanding of this is how the family functions. And this is how the family survives, you know? And so instead of me trying to disrupt this and change it all together, understanding it. So that way my partner and I can learn healthy boundaries on how to develop a new way, you know, that doesn't fall into criticism or, you know, shaming or any of those things. So I was really glad to see some of that um, in this documentary and, and for the two of you as well. Well, again, thank you for that example, because again, it validates what we learned of just, there is a lot of baggage that you bring to a marriage and it's not necessarily that either of you are at fault or are attacking, you know, one of one or the other, just the way you approach things. But at the core of fair play, the whole all time is created equal. I mean, I think that that is a message that has to sit with you and you, you, we, we women have to accept that and and believe it before we can even expect our partner to believe that. And again, that's where it gets into, well, do I make less? Do I make, you know, more like, how are you valuing, you know, an hour for an hour? Yeah. And again, with societal conditioning, you know, telling us that, that an hour of, of earning power at X is more valuable than, as Eve says, an hour of holding your child's hand in the pediatrician's office, until you start to see those things as being of equal value, you're constantly exchanging different currency. So that was something too, that not only bringing Neil on board and helping him understand how my time was used. And Eve talks in the documentary about um, when I don't have a say in how I use my time, that that's the ultimate unfairness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was something. And then also just making the invisible work visible because, you know, we women and I am guilty of it myself. Like they can't do it the right way. Well, yeah. first of all, they can, mm-hmm. they, you know, and they might not know all that needs done. And so that's, a process. It's not just a one-time download, like here are the steps to bedtime, get it done my way or, or else. Um, there's again, a whole fair play system of like, well, what does bedtime look like at our house? And Holy cow, there really are a lot of steps to bedtime. And so unpacking that at least brought some visibility to what otherwise was not even seen and therefore not appreciated. Absolutely. What would you say is one of your biggest hurdles as a high achieving woman, entrepreneur, mom, wife, all of the things? What has been your biggest hurdle? Well, just like we women are so notorious for putting ourselves last, um, one of the problems I run into is I put my my business to the back burner. I won't say last, but in my situation, you know, being self-employed, um, something that fulfills me professionally. And again, it's not just about being self-employed. It's just having my element of professional fulfillment. I back burner it because it's an extension of myself. And I worked so hard to be able to call my own shots and, you know, be my own boss and have that coveted flexibility long before the pandemic, but at least have that a golden thing that my mom never had, you know, my mom had a nine to five, but in seat, not able to come to the soccer practice or do the bake sales. So when I got flexibility, I was leaning into it. And then my husband was leaning on me because yeah. I'm like, I'm flexible. I work for myself. Yeah. I can do this. And that to me is where that was my biggest hurdle is that I unfortunately, you know, treated my business just like I treat myself. Yeah. Um, and one thing for, for a good majority of us is, you know, we'll, we'll do that and then we'll completely drown ourselves in our work, you know, as a form of a distraction. 
And, you know, I appreciate how you said earlier, you know, trying to find what is the answer. Like in a job, we're able to go ahead and, you know, execute a mission. We know, you know, this is the problem. This is how we're going to go ahead and execute it. We have a whole plan. You know, with our kids, it's not so clear cut sometimes depending on their mood, but they're still like, I'm going to go ahead and execute this mission. Um, When we start to bring in our husbands into executing the mission, we do, we want it done a certain way. I can't tell you how many women will complain to me, Veronica, you know, and that's actually one of my, like um, the podcast that's, that gets listened to, like, it's like the highest rated is how do I get my husband to help more? And one thing that I say over and over again is it's okay to allow him to fail. Like, it's okay that he's not going to do it your way. I know, I know for me, one thing I found, and I didn't like it so much was, holy crap, like, Willie not only can do it, but he can totally do it even better than I, you know, than I can. And it's like, when I stopped, when I stopped trying to dictate, you know, how Willie connected with the girls, when I stopped trying to dictate, you know, how the house was clean or how laundry was done or how the bills were paid. Cause all I was doing was I was like, okay, that's checked. That's checked. That's checked. But it wasn't even really checked. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm on it, but it's give me a, it was paused and this was paused and this was paused. And I had all of these things that were paused that would unpause themselves. And it just felt like, oh my God, this is, excuse me, this is too much. And I'm the only one that could do this because I believe it to my husband. Well, we're going to miss our deadline or we're going to miss this, or we're going to miss this. And, you know, one thing I want to hit on is what was that grieving process like for you once you started to pull back and, you know, allowed your husband and supported your husband in parenting and supported your husband in, you know, taking over? Well, I, again, I, I go back to, you know, there was a, clip in the documentary and it, it's it's one of the ones that I took to TikTok that you know I got a lot of the a lot of comments about you know my life too me same and it was yeah. the whole I don't want to ask for help yeah. so it's funny you mentioned you know releasing the way that it's done I felt like my struggle was just can you please just see what needs done like mm-hmm. I, I really don't care how you do bedtime I just want you to see that it needs done and not to mention this isn't like a one-off one time need this needs yeah. done every single day. So um that that was the biggest thing we worked on and that I I don't I, I guess more like what I embraced change. I embraced the fact that if you now see that this is something that needs done and I'm not going to ask you for help and I'm certainly not going to consider it a favor because yeah. this is shared work. Yeah my just my responsibility. Yeah. Yeah that was something that was, was a real, you know, I guess just change, change to our perspective. I know you just brought up like, wow, that's great to see that he can not only do it, he can do it better. And then there's probably emotion that goes with that. Of course. Um, I, <laughs> I just wanted to get, you're like, I didn't get shit how he did it. I just want him to do it. <laughs> awesome. Right. <High> five. <laughs> right. Just wanted him to see what needed done and take the initiative to do it. And I don't, I'm not, you know, shaming my husband and saying he no. you know, lazy and unable to do no. it. It just, it just boggled my mind. And then when I would talk to friends, people would say like, that's just how men are. And I also couldn't accept that. Like, no. What do you no. mean? Like that, that can't be. And then, you know, with fair play, you learn like there actually are massive health benefits and there's, there's satisfaction and gratification mm-hmm. out of men being involved as caregivers. So, um, you know, getting on board with a lot, it's like a lot of big changes, you know, to not only recognize them and, but then apply and then repeat that's, it's a whole lifestyle, you know, to, to work at your partnership in in this manner. Um, but yeah, there's a, a long answer to a short question. Hey there, high achieving moms and wives. Are you tired of feeling like something's missing in your marriage? Well, buckle up because I'm about to reveal the missing puzzle piece that will bring back the romance, intimacy, and equality you've been craving. I understand what you're going through. It's not just about the occasional date night or a box of chocolates. It's about creating a deep emotional connection, feeling truly understood, and being on the same page when it comes to parenting. You want more than just a teammate. You want a partner who supports you, lifts you up, and shares the responsibilities of life. But let's be real, 
Finding that balance isn't easy. That's why my seven principles for making marriage work program is here to guide you every step of the way. In just 12 weeks, I will help you build the foundation of a rock solid relationship, one that's built on romance, intimacy, and equality. Imagine rekindling that spark, reigniting the passion, and discovering a whole new level of emotional security and communication with your partner. It's time to break free from the mundane and reignite the fire. But wait, you might be thinking, what have I tried already? Trust me, we've seen it all. Couples who've tried everything from fancy date nights to self-help books. And while those things have their place, they often miss the mark when it comes to true transformation. That's where my expertise comes in. As a licensed marriage and family therapist with a decade of experience, I've honed my skills in helping couples like you create lasting change. Together, we'll tackle the root issues and provide you with practical tools that actually work. So don't settle for an average marriage when extraordinary is within reach. Head over to veronicacisneros.org forward slash coaching right now to learn more about this program and apply. Remember, spots are limited, so don't wait. This is your chance to finally have the romance, intimacy, and equality you've been yearning for. It's time to reclaim your emotional connection, support each other, and become the unstoppable team you were meant to be. Let's rewrite the story of your marriage together. Visit veronicacisneros.org forward slash coaching and take the first step towards a love that exceeds your wildest dreams. The journey to a fulfilling Marriage starts now. Don't miss out. So what are you waiting for? Go to veronicacisneros.org forward slash coaching and let's transform your relationship. No, I, I like it. There, there is a grieving period though, right? Like in, in the grieving period, what I mean by that is, you know, you've been in charge of all of these responsibilities and like, you no longer have to do those things. Like you, I know for me, I had it in my mind that, you know, all of the kids food would be like, I would have home cooked meal. And I remember, and this was a long time ago, but I remember like, I would literally have the menu of like what we were going to eat for the week. And, um, this, I was not an entrepreneur then. Um, um, but I remember like, you know, I'd have the menu of what we were going to eat for the week. I had, I I prided myself in the cookbooks that I had and like, the ones, you know, the recipes that I wrote down or whatever it was like, like that was something so big for me. And once Willie started to go ahead and take on our finances or Willie started to take on, like, even, you know, when, you know, the girls, if I had like a work trip and for instance, you know, I'll be going away. I have a speaking engagement to go to in Denver and it's going to be my kid's first day of school is on the same day that I speak mother of the year. Um, right. Um, and it's like, before I would have freaked out, like, oh my gosh, Willie's going to do their hair. Like it's, there's going to be all kinds of bumps, like all of these things. And there was a part of me that I, it, it was coming to terms of like, I don't have to be the person that does everything all the time anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and I can take a step back you know, cause it wasn't like Willie was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, the whole time he was like following me around saying he was going to do it. Um, but once I started to like voice the fact that I did need help and voice that maybe it's not normal to carry 15 bags of groceries and a gallon of milk in one trip. Maybe that's like not healthy, you know? Um, like once I started to realize those things and I started to voice this, like, no, I, I don't want to do this anymore. This is a lot. Like, this is way too much, you know? And these are the areas where, you know, these are, these are my non-negotiables. These are my areas of flexibility. And I really started to implement a lot of what I was, you know, working on my clients with. That's when I started to see a lot of things change. And in that time of change, like, although I appreciated all the help Willie was giving me, it was also like, it almost felt like, that I, I don't want to say she had to completely die. Um, but that, that mindset of thinking that I had to be the one that did it all, that mindset had to, I, I, I had to work on and let go of and, and change. Interesting. Well, you, you just described, like you described it as grieving. 
Um, is that just acknowledging that there was some, a part of you you had to release? I mean, I guess I almost look at yeah. that as I love metaphors. Like you have to unlearn and relearn or yes. change how you're hardwired and that's uncomfortable. Um, but I never thought of it as like grieving a version of yourself. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Hmm. Well, Veronica, not to, not to turn in and start asking no, you questions, but by, by all means, it. I guess one of the things too that, and I, I don't know if you remember this scene in the documentary where, you know, check-ins, um, magical communication, like, wow, what do you know? Communication yeah. can make a huge difference. That was an area that we were just grossly, Struggling. yeah, uh, under, yes, just not mm -hmm. doing enough communicating and, um, I started to feel like when I finally did have a window of time to talk, I had such a backlog of things of to go through that I never got through the list to even talk about like casual things. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I just, I'm, I'm curious with your work and, and with even your own life experience with, do you really feel like communication is such a major part in, in partnership? Because I'm still trying to figure out how to get better at that. And I feel like it's yeah. super universal. I love this question. And I love that you're asking um, questions. <laughs> So the biggest thing is, yeah, is communication important? Yes. Is it of great importance? Is it like the number one thing that's going to keep a marriage alive? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. The number one key that's going to keep a marriage alive is friendship. Are you guys mm. the best of friends? Can I trust that you will be there? Can I trust? Yeah. Not like you'll be there to have like my back when it comes to diaper duty. Can mm -hmm. I trust that you will be there when I'm struggling with emotions and I can trust that I can share this information, you know, and feel validated by you? That right there takes skill. Can I trust this? Can I trust that you will be there? And can I be vulnerable with you, you know, or do I feel as if, you know, I have to have my guard up? Am I unable to have uncomfortable conversations because I can't trust that, you know, the bear, you know, will come out and you'll bite my head off. Like those are the things that are so key in building up a very healthy relationship is being the best of friends. And a lot of couples think that, you know, oh yeah, we are best of friends. But the minute I ask them, when did you lose your best friend? When do you feel like you lost your best friend? And then when did you stop being your husband's best friend? That's when the truth comes out. Well, you know, after I felt criticized by him for pursuing my, you know, my, um, my dreams, you know, once I started to go ahead and work out and then he would ask me, you know, well, why are you working out? And he would try to, you know, keep me from working out. Or once I started to, you know, really, you know, have conversations about him, about the things that I was struggling with and just noticing maybe some of the things, you know, noticing maybe he wasn't happy, but he would shut down. Like we're not the best of friends then we're more mm. like roommates or we're now teammates that are, you know, we have a job to do and we're getting it done. But that, like that level of connection, it's not there. It's like this business interaction. Interesting. So you can communicate in a business interaction you know, which is great. And if we're just teaching eye skills to a couple, you're not going to go anywhere. But if I can, if I can teach you both how to be the best of friends by being the best version of yourself, you an exceptional version of yourself so that you can share that exceptional version with your partner, then what I'm doing is I'm teaching you guys how to be independent. So you guys can be interdependent. Mm -hmm. The goal wow. is that we're going to communicate to fix our marriage. The goal is then I'm going to go ahead and work on the issues that I bring into the relationship. I'm going to work on my insecurities. I'm, I'm going to do that work. So I don't need you. I want to be with you. And it's not this like back and forth set of expectations that each one of us have to meet. Instead, it's like, I am figuring this out and I trust that you are doing the same thing. It might not be at the same pace. It mm -hmm. might not be the same way. I can trust that my best friend is doing the same thing. I don't have to judge it. I don't have to monitor it. I don't have to take it over. I don't even have to fix it. Mm. Right. Wow. I know you can, I'm, I'm literally making notes. No, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do <laughs> oh, it. Thank you. No, those are, that was really great feedback because again, you know, communication is, is key, but I love your metaphor of, well, business partners can be better at communicating, but 
the friendship piece. I mean, I even, you know, if you even use a litmus test of there are 10 tasks that need done, like if it was you and your friend, literal friend, of course, it's your friend. You're going to help them out. Like you're going to share the load. And and again, you're going to share it fairly. It doesn't have to be, you take five things. I take five things. But to me, when you make it as simple as, well, you're not going to leave your friend hanging with all the work to do. Then, um, you know, that's, that's something. So I appreciate you saying that. And throughout the year, you know, after the documentary came out, I mean, of course I'm on social, right. As we are, and it's been really, it has been neat to see fair play content come out from people because fair play is a lens. I mean, there's literally a lens that you see things through and you really can't unsee. And so when you, you watch a lot of, you know, I watch certain social content that shows, you know, the jokes about, you know, it's summer now and, and mom is packing all the snacks and mom is doing the sunscreen and mom and mom and mom. And then, you know, dad's sitting there having a beer. Like that's not funny anymore. Like that's no. that to me, to me, that's the, the fair play lens that you can't unsee the world through. Um, and so again, when I look back to what you just said about like, would you do that to your friend? Like, would you just sit yeah. back and let your friend handle everything? Of course not. And over time, you know, then I feel like we probably develop our own protection and defense mechanisms. And then it leads to, you know, being roommates, but now I'm down my own path here, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Um, and you know, with our best friend, even when they come up with ideas, even when they come up with goals, we're not going to allow our fears to become their fears. You know, we're going to support them and yeah, they, you know, they might come up with some wild dream and trusting that and i know that that was something i needed to work on for myself with my husband you know for me it was like when willie would make a decision it was like okay well did he do this did he do this did he do this did this get done i was so used to being that person because that's why i was in my family you know with my mom and dad like that i needed to be that person because there was a lot of factors that played into whether or not we were safe or what that looked like you know, um, I don't know if you know, but my dad was an, um, an alcoholic and heroin addict and he was a, a, a very high, you know, high well-known gang member. And so, you know, that's where I resided. I resided in that spot of making sure I checked all the boxes and made sure everything was done because I cannot trust anyone to take my position. I didn't know I was doing that with my husband you know, and it was, it was hard for me to kind of pull back and trust that Willie has our best intentions. Like, and it really fell down to, or came down to one question. Who is Willie at his core? Who is Willie at his core? You know, and, you know, at his core, like Willie can, you know, ship us to an island and we were the only ones on the islands. Like that's where my husband would put us like on an island, we'd get food delivered and he would have us to himself. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's my husband, you know? And so the minute I started thinking about that, it was like, he wouldn't put us in harm's way. And it was really hard to let down that guard. Like I like literally felt myself letting that down that guard and knowing that he has nothing but the greatest intentions for the girls and I, you know, there was still a little bit of that voice that would go, well, if he had the greatest intentions and he would remember to this, or if he had the greatest, you know, intentions, he wouldn't do this. Or why did he say this? Like, and that all falls in line with like a lot of the thought distortions we come up with. And we create these stories right. all based off of our emotions, you know, but the minute I was able to like, at his core, you know, that's when it was like, oh my gosh, I, I could breathe. I, I could trust, you know, and that's mm-hmm. where, well, then if I can breathe and I can trust, then I can let down my guard and I could be his best friend, you know, and I can actually, when we do have conversations, don't always have to have my guard up, you know, and I can actually hear, you know, um, what he has to say and not personalize it as, as this personal attack and him trying to change me. I can actually hear what he's saying. And even though I might not agree with everything he's saying, I can listen for an ounce of truth in what he's saying and listen to understand his perspective. We don't have to go back and forth. Like it's not a a case of who wins the argument. It's, 
it, it falls back to, you know, what Gottman calls yielding to win. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I just saw a post about zero sum games, right? Like, like if you, like, if you're just, if you're saying the last word to win that argument, yeah. like, are you really the winner? Like if yeah. it's between you and your partner, but that's probably an, another topic, but no, I appreciate you explaining how you had to not change your perspective, just, just look differently and find the common denominator of what he he does have your, you and your daughter's best intentions. So, and finding out that again, just because, just because that night bedtime wasn't led by my husband doesn't mean that he isn't still loving us in a different way. So then you go back and forth with this whole, like, I want to change the way we operate, but I don't want to give people a pass like out of like, Oh, it's fine. This is just how you were conditioned. Um, so it's been a very complicated journey, um, but, you know, looking at it as, as that, you know, it's not a destination and it just takes ongoing work. And um, that's, that's at least what gives me hope. I mean, at first I felt like, okay, just by going through something, then we're going to make change, but it's not that simple. Like you have no. to, you do have to work at it, but I also, um, you know, as I said, have just changed my perspective of this is not something that gets caught on film and gets a system and implemented. Um, yeah. I think when you and I first talked like, a like learning how to eat healthy or like an exercise regimen, yeah. like you can't just have one healthy meal and expect to reap the benefits and really know how to make healthy meals every day. Then it, it does take ongoing work and a lot of little tools along the way. So I thank you for your, your insight. Yes. What would you say is one of the what what would you say is one of the road bumps that you guys are still experiencing today? Falling back into old patterns. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that it, you said that. Yeah. Relapse is so. big. Relapse, Relapse is a real thing. Yeah. And and with that, the whole seasonality component. I mean, I know we're at the tail end here of summer. And so sometimes you just say, wait a minute, like we just got our system figured out in one season of the year. Um, with kids' routines and whatnot. And then you you look at the summer and you feel like, well, hi, I've taken on far more than I should. And then you say, well, why? Is it because I've been defaulted or it's literally just a byproduct of your family having a different routine and a different dynamic? And, you know, wanting to, that that pressure, the world tells you, be grateful, you know, enjoy every last sunset and sunrise with the kids, yeah. which you try to, but it still makes it difficult. So, um, and then you go, wait a minute where are our check-ins? Wait a minute. Where is our awareness? So falling back into old patterns and then just saying, okay, well, time to get back on the wagon. (laughs) Yeah. In what way? Well, what is one thing I can help you guys in or you in? Oh gosh. That's such a, such a wonderful question. Well, one of the things Veronica that, um, you know, I, we talked a little bit, I've spent a lot of time talking about my personal life, but with my, my professional role, you know, my business, we, we absolutely help women take their step into entrepreneurship and primarily as freelance social media managers. So I guess, um, one thing I would, I'd ask your help with is just, you know, I can teach them all the best processes to run a business and I can teach them tactics to actually be, you know, the the best social media manager they could be. But I guess I just wonder if there's any any advice you would have or things that I can share with them more about, um, how to, how to have that awareness of what an imbalance in your home can actually do to you in your profession, because that's what I wasn't accepting. I was like, I am, I can separate. I'm Emily at home and I'm Emily, the professional and realizing that no, like you can't separate it. And so I try really hard to come up with a way to bring that same awareness to women without them having to go through all the bumps that I went through. The biggest thing that I, I would, I would, or the, the greatest feedback I can give you is how intentional are you? You know, um, and, and that's a question I would ask them. How intentional are you? And what are the lies you tell yourself? Hmm. You know, um, that's, that's a big one. Um, I tend to work with a lot of high achieving women. Um, hmm. And for them, it's like, well, you know, my kids are already off to bed, you know, and so I miss bedtime. It's, it's not a big deal. Or, you know, okay, so our date nights were supposed to be on Tuesday. However, you know, my husband looks tired. It's fine. It's not a big deal. I'll go ahead and do work here. Um, And, you know, one question I'll ask them is, you know, how intentional are you at home? You know, when you're not fixing everything, how often do you allow yourself to just be versus trying to go ahead and orchestrate 
you know, um, this, this plan or orchestrate this day. Right. Um, and one, you know, one quick story that I'll share with you is it, it was brought to my attention when we were um, taking family pictures. And right. I remember, you know, we're taking family pictures and it was for a Christmas um, card. And I remember we're taking the pictures and Willie, Willie's over there throwing the kids, turning them upside down, their hair's all crazy, getting all messed up. And I'm like, will you just, just, I have all the pictures uh -huh. that I want to copy on Pinterest. Uh -huh. I've, I've, I've like tap or I've pinned them all. I have like, I've already given the photographer every single picture. Like, just please, please, please post this way. Smile this way. Look this way. Not this way. <laughs> We're supposed to be in the moment, you know? And I, I remember getting our, our, um, our pictures back. And I swear to you, I swear to you, Emily, I look like I was psychotic. Oh, I look like I was Willie, like, the photographer ended up taking all of those candid pictures and they were all of Willie. None of them were of me because I was not in the moment at all. I was trying to create the moment when it was already there. And so that's where I would go is how often, you know, how often do you allow yourself to experience the moment? And then what are the lies you tell yourself? For me, the lie that I told myself was I need to get the best picture and I'm going to get it this way. Mm. And that Christmas um, card ended up being of all of Willie. Yeah. <laughs> so it was only a few pictures. And it was just because like the pictures were so powerful and it was just like he was just being him as a father, you mm. know, and I don't know. It was just, it was beautiful. And it, I remember looking at the pictures and it's like, well, shit, like, God, I, I robbed myself from those moments, you know? Well, you probably did a lot of invisible labor to even get to that oh, moment. So I'll give you the credit for that. Thousand percent. Well, thank you because intentionality, like you said, like with, with the women that I surround myself with that we, that we train, you know, that's, that's a good way to frame it. Thank you. I would, I would definitely ask them questions on how often are you, how, how often are you intentional and give me some examples, give me mm -hmm. some examples of when you're, 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 you're being intentional. And I mean, cause you could tell us there's a problem. You could tell us there, that, that there's a problem all day. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean like, okay, yeah. So my, you're going to get the answer of, yeah. So what my husband doesn't help and he doesn't support me in the business, but he will, once I make this amount or he will, once this is done, or once we figure this out and that's not going to happen, you know, yeah. it's not, it, it's not, not going to happen. Like, I'm not saying that they're doomed to fail, but it's not going to happen because we don't realize that there's change needed. It's not until you like literally show us like, no, this is really what it's looking like. You know, how many times have you told yourself that you're going to miss bedtime stories? Or how many times have you told yourself that, you know, working a 14 hour, you know, work day, I know that's exaggerated, but working a 14 hour work day is fine. And sure. going to sleep at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and making sure you check all the boxes, put the kids to bed, have sex with husband, wait for him to sleep and then start working. Like, how long can you do that? Right. And that, and that literally goes full circle to the fair play of like what the way we were operating just wasn't sustainable. It just was, it just wasn't yeah. something's got to give. And we're still, you know, figuring out what that looks like. But I think to your point of high achieving women or women just doing what, you know, fills their cup that is outside of their role as moms, because that's, isn't that exciting now that like, that's more of a common thing. Like we don't have to just be moms, um, that, that you will have to be intentional about what you choose. And let's not just go through this hamster yeah. wheel of like doing it all because that's what we want. Like, luckily we are past the point of saying we should have it all. And that is something that we want. No, we don't want it all. Even that part, even, uh, even that part, Emily, that you just said, like, you know, with you and Neil, like we have to figure that part out, like being able to share that with your clientele and, you know, being as open as you want to, to that process of like, yes, we did this and it was a great experience and we learned so much. And there are, there are, you know, I'm, we are starting to experience, you know, some relapse and, and what that looks like for you and, and what your plan is to go ahead and prevent relapse from happening, mm -hmm. you know? 
Thank I mean, you. obviously we could talk about this forever. I love it. No, <laughs> I really appreciate it. And not only have you, you know, given me insight personally, I appreciate your, you looking through the fair play lens and then again, just applying it to, um, I mean, you are an entrepreneur as well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, it's not for the faint of heart. And, nope. you know, when women take that brave step to potentially follow some, some passion, whatever that ends up looking like. Yeah. you do have to realize how much of how you operate at home is going to impact your ability to make those contributions to the world Bingo. as your best professional self. Bingo. So. Emily, thank you so much for being on. This was amazing. I feel like we've known each other forever. <laughs> I know. No, I'm so excited. Well, I, again, longtime listener. So thank you for, for having me, but thank you for all the work you do for us women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. Of course. We'll keep in touch. Definitely. Let's be honest, we can all use a little help in our marriage, especially when it comes to communicating. I have created a guide just for you. Five things that are killing your marriage, tips from a therapist. Find out if you are making these marriage mistakes. Ladies, this guide is 100% free. I will give you practical tips and easy to use strategies to apply right away. You all know I'm a huge advocate for couples. I am on a mission to help you and your partner experience stress-free living. With this free guide, we are setting our marriages up for success. But it starts with you. You will find this free guide here in the show notes or go to www.veronicasisneros.org. The information I will be providing you is next level. And people pay good money to get these tips that I will be giving you for free. Don't forget to share this with a friend. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now, write a review, rate the episode, and subscribe. Don't forget to share it with your friends. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.